Hi there, thanks for joining us. I'm Jonathan Healy and Happy New Year to you. We thought that it would be a good idea for the first Red Business of 2018 to talk about the organisation that deals with all of the businesses in Cork. So what is it like to have a day in the life of Cork Chamber? Well, we've come to Summerhill North to the offices of Cork Chamber to find out. Red Business Podcast with CompuB, building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. And the first person to meet us through the door here in Cork Chamber is Catherine Fitzpatrick. Catherine, Happy New Year to you. Hi, Jonathan. Good morning. Happy New Year to you too. You're very welcome to the Chamber here yes, this morning. Yes, it's good to be here and uh, getting the quick tour around and speaking to some of your colleagues. But you are the first and you are, according to your title, the EU Trade and Innovation Services Manager. Now, that sounds very important. Is that very important? <laughs> well, of course, it's very important. Long and complicated. But I suppose in a simple in simple terms, I'm the International Services Manager. So um, in terms of all of the Chambers, international EU projects. Um, I, I manage all of those. There's a team of three of us here. Um, at a general level, I suppose we're responsible for all of the relationships that the chamber has, say, with embassies, um, internationally with our agencies abroad, um, through our twinning relationships with the city and county. Have very strong twinning relationships internationally. So I would be involved in any of the visits that go out to those twin cities. For example, Shanghai, San Francisco. There's some of our bigger twin cities. Um, those relationships that we have then with our international national diaspora out in those cities and um, with the business communities out there. Um, so and effectively you're a diplomat, you are the diplomatic service <laughs> of Cork Chamber stroke nearly Cork City. <laughs> You could say that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot of the work involves engagement with those with those formal um, uh, agencies and and um, dipl- the diplomatic corps. Um, they they're a really important link to to what we do here in Cork. Obviously, they're representing Ireland and, uh, uh, abroad, um, and what we want to do is keep in touch with them as much as possible. Let them know from a Cork perspective what's going on in the business community here, um, and and how they can help us spread that message or bring connections back to the businesses here in Ireland. Now it sounds all very Ferreira Roche, but presumably it is a complicated process because the different countries involved have different norms, different relationships with Cork. You mentioned Shanghai, we've a great relationship with them going back years, but then maybe somewhere new came on board like Providence last year that we didn't necessarily have a relationship with and you have to start reaching out. Is that a challenge when you're knocking on the door for the first time saying, hi, we're from Cork and they go, where's that? Um, there, there's no. I would say yes, no. There's, there, there are two things. I suppose we feel like when we're we're not when in Ireland and we're here in Cork, and you know, there's so much going on. We wonder how it's possible that people outside of Ireland don't know about us. Um, surprisingly enough, you'll find in in many places such as China, sometimes it's hard to explain where Ireland is, let alone where Cork is. You know, so there's a real challenge there in in sort of some of the far, further flung places to actually put Cork on the map and and let people know where we are, what we do as a second city and a second city region. Um, but I suppose in other regions, you mentioned Providence and some of those there, you know, in, in the US, on the US side, Ireland is, is well known in general, you know. Um, and actually, I wouldn't say there's an issue about coming knocking on the door. Actually, we've been approached in, during the course of last year, two or three, possibly even four delegations from the, the, the US approached us directly. They were actually doing a, sort of some, some research on Ireland. They were coming to do sort of familiarization visits. They were bringing people from local chambers of commerce and local agencies. We have people here from Pennsylvania. 
Pennsylvania. We had people from Rhode Island. Um, we had people from, from a number of places who, who actually came to us directly who were really interested in making the connections. Now, you see, the cynic, the, the cynic in me will say, oh, they were all over in the junkets. And people hate junkets. They're often decried about how much is spent on junkets. You obviously think they are valuable. And why are junkets valuable? I mean, they're not junkets that you'll say, but why are these international trips, these fact-finding missions so important? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think until you've been on one of these trips, um, you yeah, can't I, I, say. I've never been invited on one, you see. That's my problem. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just bitter, Catherine. <laughs> we'll find you somewhere interesting to go. No, I mean, genuinely, I suppose, until you've been involved, first and foremost, what you don't see, I suppose, is the organisation that's required to put these visits together. Um, secondly, I think until you've been there, you don't realise, actually, you, you have a short space of time. You're not there for a long time. So if you're going abroad on these trips, it's usually between, you know, four to five days, maybe a week at the very most if you're going somewhere far away like China. But you really have to pack an awful lot in. Um, the reality is, okay, in this day and age, we can do, you could argue, we can do everything by, you know, conference call, we could do it by Skype, or we could be in touch. But there's nothing like the face-to-face -face contact. I think and I think places that, that we go in terms of the Twin Cities and the relationships we're trying to build, actually taking the time and the money, it, it does cost money to fly to these places, but taking that time out of your week to, to go and visit these places actually shows your commitment to, to building a relationship. And one of the things that you worked on very much last year was something called Connecting Cork. Now, remind people what Connecting Cork was and how is it going to be different in 2018 to 2017? Yeah, okay, no problem. So Connecting Cork started out actually in 2016 as a sort of a diaspora outreach project. And um, we realised, you know, we'd been we'd been engaging with, with the Irish abroad in, in many of these trips that I've mentioned. Um, but actually in talking to people, some very senior people, uh, you know, at, at certain levels um, in London, actually one year, we realised that despite the fact that they... Yeah, that's, that's the train. That's the train. <laughs> the train. Station. That's not you. That I'd just like to clarify. Sorry, you were telling us about the people in London. Um, so senior Irish people and Cork people maybe who've been in London for a long time um, we, we arranged a, a meeting with them and actually out of out of that came the realisation that perhaps they weren't maybe fully aware of what was going on in Cork and, the, Cork and the extent of what was going on here in the business community. They'd be back and forth visiting family on holidays and things like that. But actually, re, you know, they hadn't been engaged in the business community here. And actually, it was a real eye-opener to them to understand, the, you know, what was going on, the vibrancy, some of the developments that are coming on stream. You know, this was, this was really news to them. So we sort of realised that we needed to do something a little bit more targeted with the diaspora and we spent... 2016 doing that engaging in several different locations um, including we did a big event in London for about 150 Irish people there I, to I, tell I, I know this is really distracting but I'm going to just comment on the fact that the train noise, which people may or not be may or may not be able to hear, the train goes right under here, does it? It does, absolutely. Under, the, yeah, the tunnel yeah. is under the chamber yeah. office. That's right, absolutely. So, I mean, we're very lucky in that if we're on a train to Dublin at any stage, you know, we're literally only seven minutes down the road now. <laughs> I'd always leave ten, but there's some people here who would be dashing yeah, down yeah, at the last minute. But it's fascinating, so it goes directly <laughs> underneath. Yeah, yeah. So, connecting Cork then in, in, yeah. in 18, what's it going to do? Yeah, in 18, so I suppose, you know, we, uh, as I said, we started 2016. 2017 last year was, was really busy. We sort of put a, about a 70-80% focus on a specific sector. We decided, look, you know, we don't have a lot of resources to do this, but we looked at the sectors that, that we felt we would engage with most productively, and we picked the financial services sector. I suppose we have a, a working group here in the chamber, the Financial Services Forum, um, and they were keen to start promoting the, what Cork has to offer as a financial services location. Um, a lot of the discussions, obviously, around Brexit were focused on this, so this sector. To, to use a colloquial phrase, you are courting these groups in the hope that they will bring some jobs here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, I suppose it's a, it's it's generally it's an education piece, you know. And we, you know, everyone is familiar with Dublin as a location for financial services, but we really felt that people weren't aware of what of the offering that Cork has. We have an awful lot to to offer, and and some of the um, some of our key selling points um, were just not well known in the financial services circles. So we actually put a strong focus on um, being involved in those financial services events through our financial services working group here, um, attending those events, engaging with professionals in the in those in those businesses internationally and just telling them look this is what Cork has to offer we understand that some companies would be looking at Dublin as you know as the capital city and that that makes sense that that's obvious but actually if they're looking for expansion outside of Dublin or if actually if they're maybe not one of the top banks or, or, or say asset managers in in the country they might be looking at a cheaper alternative in terms of location and no, our no costs, we don't we don't say cheaper we say better value <laughs> we are better value than than a lot of other you know of the, of the top locations that are being looked at you know on, on the international scale so look, we were just putting that message out there. We have, you know, we have the connectivity and we have, you know, selling points like quality of life that maybe people aren't aware of, people who haven't visited Cork. And all we were doing was going out and saying to people, look, this is this is what we have to offer. Consider us, keep us on your list, keep us in mind, come and talk to us again. Uh, just you know? part of a really strong sales pitch to get people to come back to Cork if they've been here or have any relationship with Cork to reignite that relationship. Really interesting stuff. We better go on and meet the next group of people who, uh, who are here to talk to us yep. in Cork Chamber. Uh, but... For now, Catherine Fitzpatrick, EU Trade and Innovation Services Manager. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Jonathan. I'm going to change that title. (laughs) The Red Business Podcast with CompuBee Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuBee.com. Right, we've moved into a new office now. And in this office, we have three hardworking members of the chamber. We have got Barbara Ann Richardson. We have Lee Gillen and we have Aoife Dunn. Ladies, how are you? That's not starting to spur you all to life there, but you are you were allowed to talk, the purpose of the exercise. Uh, Lee, tell me first of all, what is your title here and what do you do? My title here is Events Manager and basically I'm responsible for the full coordination of the large calendar of events that we offer for our members every year. So we run approximately 70 events per year, small, medium, large size events, with I suppose that to attract all kinds of members and to give benefit to all kinds of sizes of companies. Now I follow the Chamber on Twitter and you're always doing events. It's non-stop. Do you ever have any time off given the amount of events that you run? Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> One of the benefits. No, there are some downtimes, and I suppose, I suppose, in the fact that we have a very good system and process for organising events. Some of them have a form format; they're a bit more formulaic. They kind of nearly, you know, plod along themselves. Some of them require a little bit more attention, a little bit more, obviously, a bit more work, more detail. So I think, I mean, generally speaking, there's not a lot of downtime, but you you get used to it. I'm here a long time, so I'm kind of used to filling up the day with plenty of things. Barbara Ann Richardson, what is your title? Uh, Director of Member Services and Development. So again, very much involved with the membership, 1,200 we heard uh, of whom are are very loyal members of Cork Chamber. Uh, What have you been doing today, for example? Yeah, I, I guess the, one of the, the real beauties of, of being a part of the, the team here at Cork Chamber is the, the variety of things that we do. And I remember when I started here being just simply blown away, actually, by the level of different services that we offer. Look, as with any other business, um, we use our time, particularly at the beginning of the year, um, to plan. So, as you mentioned, we have 1,200 members. It's really important that we listen to those members. Our job is ultimately to support them. So um, 2018 is actually quite an exciting year because we're about to launch our next three-year strategic plan. 
And on the back of that, we also create yearly operational plans and, and KPIs. So that's really exciting. We're going to see quite a bit of change um, as part of that process, both in terms of the look and feel of how we represent ourselves. Um, I One of kind of the the roles I would have here will be around the marketing of the chamber. Um, so that is change that will be coming up, but also how that reflects across everything that we do. I mean, just to give an example of the building we're in, uh, mm. this is an amazing building that mm. obviously hasn't changed much over the years, but mm. the chamber has had to be a lot more reactive than this building. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, actually, interesting. The building did change quite significantly about four or five years ago. So the building you see today is very beautiful. Um, and thanks very much to... I suppose the, the the board who had had the vision to kind of really give this building its full potential. That it's you see it's today. an old building. I mean, anyone who's never it's been in here, it's it's really it's, is it a Victorian Georgian? It's a Georgian building. Yeah. yeah. And the chamber itself, actually, in 2019, we'll be celebrating 200 years. So you could certainly say in that time we've had to evolve. But I, I, to be honest, I see with the team one of the real. I mean, and you, uh, hopefully you're feeling that here when you're in the building, Jonathan, is that people here are always open to change. We have to be. 1,200 members across varying different sectors and sizes, you can't stay the same. It just wouldn't work. Um, social media is also driving that change, okay? Yeah. So we've actively embraced that and I think made significant um, developments in that over the last three years and are now one of the leading business organisations in terms of the number of followers and the activity that we have on social not, media. Not that you're proud of it or anything, that you'd speak <laughs> it out loud. And we've already felt the rumbling uh, in the earlier interview that we did um, with Catherine of the Trains rumbling underneath. So you're never too far away from seismic activity no, in, no, in this no. building. No, and that was only the train rumbling. You should see what happens here the week before the annual dinner, but anyhow... <laughs> Which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, Aoife Dunn, uh, let's talk to you about, you You are responsible for training. I am, Jonathan. So what, what, what training, uh, it's not that you undertake training, but you, you no, facilitate training. Exactly, yeah. So we have um, a Skinnet funded training network. It's known as Business Cross Skinnet. So we run that here out of the chamber. It's the Cork Chamber Business School, we kind of call it here locally. So we provide a wide range of training courses, everything from management and leadership development, core professional skills, soft skills, IT, digital marketing, and then also bespoke training solutions then for individual companies companies too, whatever, whatever anyone can, anyone's kind of looking for, we're here to help. And again, with all the members that you have, this huge volume of members that are out there, there's lots of different opportunities for courses that are there. Are any more popular than others? Well, well actually, I'm, as Barbara Brown is even saying, things have evolved so much now here lately. I'm here now a little over five years. It's a completely different position and department than it was when I originally started. When I started, it was very much your bespoke kind of like your kind of IT courses get people effective, get people working harder. Whereas now it's completely moved into we need to look after our workforce more, particularly in Cork. We're looking at identifying the future leaders, building kind of them building teams, networks of teams, a lot of management courses, leadership development. That stuff is really coming down the track here for us and it's something we're looking at developing further now for twenty eighteen and beyond as well. Now you mentioned uh, earlier Lee the big chamber dinner and Barbara Ann obviously has sleepless nights over us given what she said. Um, but it, it is the big event of the year isn't it? It really is the big event. I suppose in terms of, it's not just the, the sheer numbers, I suppose, Jonathan, we have like a thousand people in the City Hall congregating on Friday the 2nd of February. It's it's the actual scale of the event in, in every way for us. I mean, it's it's so high profile, reputationally in every way. It's kind of our key event of the year. It's not just about numbers. It's about, you know, 
it's our it's about putting your absolute best foot forward for that for us is a real kind of you know the epitome of the chamber you know the the, the fact that we're just so member centric that you have people in that room that are everywhere from sole traders all the way through to the biggest multinationals in the in the, in the city and beyond we've people from dublin approaching us wanting to attend the annual dinner and um, so it, it definitely the word of it spread it spreads far and wide really you know it's kind of famous at this stage and, and it has grown and grown over the years the idea that you're so member centric barbara it, it's it's almost unique in its difficulty because you've got all of these organizations that day to day compete against each other on some fronts cooperate on each other but have different agendas different focus how do you manage to pull all the strands together from all those different groups to find that common cause so i guess we're very lucky jonathan in so far as we have a very an, a very active membership um, so we would have um, groups of those members across all the different tiers of our business. If I go like from our board, that's made up of our members. We have a group of chamber ambassadors and we have committees for a lot of different things that we do, both on the policy side of the house, but equally for some of our key events. So and then yearly we run, you know, um, surveys to, to really to get a, even after every event, like we ask members, we, we actively ask them what they want and we listen. I'm not saying we can put 100% every single solitary request we come in, but we take that very seriously and we sit down as a team and we work through that. And I guess as part of this um, new strategic plan, we've even gone deeper into understanding that membership and how best to reflect that membership going forward. And that's where some of that change you will see coming through in the next couple of months. It's about really getting into that. The other thing I would say is that you have differing member needs and there are business, the business needs, but equally you have individuals within that comp- those businesses. And that's something that we'll see evolve more and more. Um, and and that again ties into the training exactly. thing that a lot of them are coming forward. I have to mention the Cork Digital Media Awards because uh, Red Business won one last year. Thank you, you very much. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, no uh, that. That's one of the other big evolving events because, again, going back five years when you would have joined EFA, absolutely, we wouldn't have ex- they wouldn't have existed. No, absolutely not. No, that um, it started in 2014. It's it's gone on in leaps and bounds. I mean, we had. 270 people in Parky Cueve last October for that. Great buzz in the building. Um, 18 different individual categories. A fantastic mix of businesses, which just meets a different need again for our member companies. It's a different market. It's a different service, and it's great fun, which is amazing. Uh, there's one thing I have to ask before I go. Certificates of origin. One of the great <laughs> mysteries of Cork Chamber. Um, a, lot, a lot of people understand what they are, Barbara, and you, you'll be delighted to hear, have been nominated by your colleagues to explain this slightly complicated process. What are certificates of origin and why are they so important? Okay, so just to put it into context, right, um, you've talked about meeting various member needs and um, the certificates of origin service is actually critically important because the businesses who are exporting outside of Europe would not be able to do so without this service. Um, So as part of our offering, we help businesses go global, and we do that through a number of different ways. We've got an Enterprise Europe network here, which helps connect businesses internationally, and we offer advice to companies. Essentially, if somebody is exporting into a market outside of the EU, they need to have customs documents that, you know, verify what the goods are, where the, con- the, the products are made, etc., etc., and a host of other uh, different um, information. And those documents need to be stamped and approved, and the Chamber of Commerce have the, um, the rights, and I suppose, the, the, to do that. And that's a service that we deliver for some of the key um, companies here. Bottom line, it's it, a very complicated but necessary process, then, these certificates. 
Absolutely, um, Jonathan. Essentially, we are in a, a cog in a logistical wheel, okay? And logistics, as we all know, is about getting the product as fast as possible to their end customer. And without having the right paperwork attached with those products, it would just get blocked. Our job is to ensure that all that paperwork is intact, up-to-date, signed and approved. Just one of the many services that are provided by Cork Chamber to the members. Uh, thank you very much for the insight, Barbara Ann Richardson, Lee Gillen and Aoife Dunn. Thank you all for joining us. Thanks, thank Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Have a good day. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com. And our final stop now on our trip around Cork Chamber is Thomas McHugh's office. Now, Thomas is Director of Policy and Public Affairs. I got the title right anyway. Absolutely right, Jonathan, yes. So tell me what you do, Tom. Well, I suppose my role here at the Chamber is to to look after all of the advocacy on behalf of our members. So anything that affects business or could potentially have you know a catalytic effect positively on business would be our side of the house. So all of the government lobbying, all of the positioning. Um, you may have seen, for example, our work around the M20 last year, which we believe was quite pivotal in terms of securing you know allocation for that route to come back on. So it's it's all of the infrastructure, it's all of the um, any of the government market interventions that might affect business um, anywhere where there's a consultation and we feel that it might affect business in Cork. That's where we spend our time. Now, not wishing to blow your trumpet for you, but you know you joined last year and then you had the M20 announcement by the Taoiseach. Transatlantic flights came through. You've been a fine asset to the organisation. Well, thanks very much, Jonathan. But uh, I must say, I've joined a very good team here at Cork Chamber. Um, when I joined, um, the lobbying register had been in place for about a year, right? And um, the interesting thing there is that Cork Chamber is the number one regional lobbying group in Ireland, you know, which is quite the accolade. And so very persistent then? Absolutely persistent and dogged. And I suppose what it is about is um, ensuring that we use our resources as appropriately as possible. So if we have a message, um, there's no point in talking amongst ourselves about it. We make sure that the right people hear about it in the right way at the right time. So, I mean, um, for example, on... On Little Island, um, recently we've been doing a lot of work around traffic over there. So, um, again, we talk to our members, we talk to the relevant agencies. We also just make sure that all of the local political representatives, for example, are, are aware of what we're doing there and our concerns and issues. So, And it is a huge... I mean, I just happened to be down there last week uh, trying to get out of the retail park at half past four. And I have to say, it it, it is traffic that would give Dublin's finest a great run for its money. I mean, what can be done about that? And what, how much of a priority is that for the Chamber? Well, it, it absolutely is a priority. And I suppose it, it's very much a member-led priority. You know, I suppose the things that the thing that defines our priorities is what, what our members want, what the government is actually actively consulting on in a given year. Um, and those would be the two the two kind of things that they're really, they're really help us to understand how where we should allocate our resource. So Little Island is a very, very key issue. Um, and we're doing, we're doing everything we can to ensure that the progress there is steady and as fast as possible. Um, for example, we've got Transport Infrastructure Ireland coming in here um, in about, I think, six weeks' time to give a presentation on the Dunkettle Interchange uh, to Little Island members. That'll, that'll have a huge impact on traffic down there. But again, you're talking about a lead-in time of, you know, two, two, two three years. So, so it's slow and steady, but it's, it's um, hopefully some consolation to members down there. But I suppose we have to just bear with the fact that the economic upturn is, is presenting challenges um, and we need to make sure that our infrastructure stays ahead rather than lagging behind. Looking out the window here of your office, we can see the train station. I, I, I see the O'Callaghan Properties crane uh, towering over the quays there. Obviously, fingers crossed, you look out this window in five years' time, you'll see a very different view. Is that very much 
the core of what the chamber wants for Cork right now. Absolutely. So a big a big thing from last year was the national planning framework. Okay, so the government should publish that this year. And our, our vision for Cork is around, you know, a vibrant, high-density, diverse, thriving city region, you know. And it's absolutely essential that there's a thriving city at the core of that. And for that, you have to have, like, different types of um, housing, different types of workspaces for the future. Um, there's a great opportunity to have a slight departure from the ways of doing things in the past. There's an opportunity to really build on the density in the city. I know the city council are working very actively on the Docklands plan here. Um, so, so there's a lot of positivity. There's a lot of work happening on the ground, you know, led by the private sector, the developers that you just mentioned. So, so it's hugely encouraging. And it's just about ensuring that, insofar as possible, the government recognises the potential here in Cork and that there's no impediment to us to, to performing to our utmost. The one thing that our generation can't afford to do is to make the mistakes that went before us, that, that led to this deep economic recession from which we are only now emerging. And yes, it's all very positive at the moment and things are going well, but what can you do? What can the leadership in the chamber do to ensure that we don't get ahead of ourselves, that we don't overpitch and overstretch and find ourselves in the same situation of having an economic slump uh, in the next couple of years because we made the same mistakes? I think that's absolutely essential. And I suppose one of, one of the, the key mistakes of the last phase was that we were maybe over-reliant on the construction sector. And you can see how the construction sector is much more measured now. I think the approach from the banks, I think the approach from developers themselves there's, there's, um, there's an optimism, but there's also a caution, and I think the memory of what happened is very fresh in, 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 in both the developers' minds and in, in the minds of the people, you know, the people of Ireland, basically. I don't think that'll fade anytime soon. Um, I think it's around the type, of, the type of employment that we're creating being sustainable and the type of employment we're creating being long-term and not necessarily being ultimately uh, so intensely bound to economic cycles. I think that's the key. You mentioned there how you're really active in terms of lobbying, that you're up there in the register constantly asking, asking, asking. But of all the competing voices that are in there, I mean, how do you manage to get yours heard? We have politicians here in Cork, obviously strong politicians of every political view. Uh, do you have to go through them? Is it just do you stand on your own two feet? How does it work, Tom? Well, it's very, it's very interesting, actually. I mean, Ireland is of a scale where you can have access to senior politicians, um, it's not of, uh, you're not four steps removed from anybody in Ireland, as we all know well. So that, work, that works in our favour, obviously, but equally that works in everyone's favour. But I think the, the key thing for us in terms of making sure that we're heard is, is our mandate and the evidence that we bring. So we have 1,200 members representing 100,000 people. I mean, that, our membership is our legitimacy. But those 1,200 members won't necessarily agree on everything. I mean, you have to try and put forward a consensus approach. So is there's, there's almost an internal politics before you go to the politics of the big P. Well, I wouldn't say so much there's internal politics, but there's just a case of making sure we listen and understand on the balance of, of opinion amongst our membership. And I suppose, look, Jonathan, we're, we're a business organisation, and ultimately, you know, if hard decisions have to be made, it has to be around the economic sustainability of Cork and the economic future. So if we're sitting here this time next year, what do you want to have achieved? What, what's top of the list for 2018 for Thomas McHugh? I, th I think, Jonathan, there's a, few, there's a few key issues that we'd like to see addressed next year. I think we'd like to see a slightly more mature conversation around housing. I think that's absolutely essential that we are talking not just about housing in generic terms, but that we're talking about the different types of housing that collectively will make a difference. Um, we want to see more pace in that space. It's very critical for businesses, for people looking inward, um, for people looking to grow here in Cork that has capacity. And the second thing there then would be obviously transport. Transport is absolutely critical. It's roads, roads, roads as usual, but equally, 
we need to be thinking a little bit bigger picture there. We're not, we're not talking about the dart for Cork again now, are we? No, I think I think I think though I think the the key thing is that we ensure that the the public transport is is operating effectively. That we're building transport corridors around that. That we're building density that supports it. And you know, there's for example a, a bus rapid um, transport system would be very attainable. You'd have to think. Okay. Well, we'll see how the next twelve months rolls out. Thomas McHugh, Director of Policy and Public Affairs here at Cork Chamber. Thank you very much for your hospitality today. Thank you, Jonathan. My thanks to Cork Chamber for all of their help today and finding out what goes on inside that great building on Summerhill North. If you want to be part of Red Business during 2018, drop me an email, redbusiness at redfm.ie. We'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com.